Hello, and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1859. The topic is in-depth, and the title is The Unique Challenges Clients Struggle With. I mentioned last Monday that I'll be starting to do some in-depth podcasts. The first one was podcast 1852, and we talked about uh, don't discount the basics. So the benefits of the basic things and how that can help you achieve amazing, excellent, great results. People overwhelmingly look look back to past the basics and try to look at these like little nuancey things. But if they just do the basics, you can have an amazing results. So I talked about like an, an international elite total power lifter and all we do is focus focus on the basics uh one of the crossfit people i work with they're the ambassador crossfit uh ambassador for spain own a crossfit gym great athlete teaches a lot of people we just focus on the basics she gets great results i mean it's just you can do amazing things i talked about how my mom has an elite total in two weight classes, has done uh, 10 plus powerlifting meets, has done three bodybuilding shows, did all of that after 50 years old, and how it just took the basics. <laughs> so I thought that was a fun one to start with. What I wanted to do today was talk about, as the, the title suggests, just some client struggles. I have two clients I want to talk through and just share a little bit of what their struggles were how we addressed those struggles, the progress that they're seeing. And I wanted to do that with the intent that others who have similar struggles can learn they're not alone and they can learn to apply some of the components that we're applying for these clients. So that way there is hope for change. There's something you can do. So if you listen to today's podcast and you like this structure, please let me know. I really am kind of fishing around with this uh, in-depth podcast topic. With these podcasts being a little longer, I wanted to make them roughly about 40 to 60 minutes rather than the usual like 20-ish or less minutes. I wanted to do a little bit longer ones because they tend to be very popular in the general world of podcasts. So I wanted to get into a little bit of a longer format. But I also want to just make sure the podcast is helpful. (laughs) Whatever you want to know, I want to help teach that. So if there is anything you like, anything you want to know more about, or if like such as if you like this format, let me know. I just want to hear from you so that way I can make sure the podcast is what you would like it to be. So let's go through the first client's story. Now, they have a high body fat percentage. We never got a DEXA scan or it did an in-body scan or anything to check their body fat percentage. I used to teach at the uh, local university, uh, Winthrop University. I taught some exercise physiology labs and did some odds and ends, and I'm very familiar with uh, body fat testing. It was part of actually what we learned as well in my Masters of Nutrition. We learned like they have a bod pod, an air displacement uh, way uh, test at Winthrop University, we did underwater testing. I've had clients go do DEXA scans. In-body scans are actually pretty accurate as well. There's a lot of ways you can test body fat percentage. Actually, skinfold measurements. I have done, oh my gosh, over well over a thousand skinfold measurements. And um, so I'm, I'm familiar with it. But for a lot of the clients, I don't, like, if they're overweight, we don't need to, like, prove it. 
<laughs> you know, in a sense of if they're overweight, they feel overweight. So we want to just start working on that. Now, it can be fun later to have like before and after data. But what I sometimes struggle with is I know myself in my journey. I never wanted to take a picture when I felt the worst about how I looked. I didn't want to take a, a test that gave me a number that kind of like created this finite definition of, yes, I was fat. <laughs> I didn't, like I knew it, I felt it, I didn't need more proof, I don't need someone, you know, shoving a piece of paper in my face. So this was a personal choice due to my experience. It does not mean that it is the right approach for everyone. But if you look at my social media, I don't do before and after photos for clients. I don't, I, I, part of me wishes I did because if I had that on our Instagram channel, we would get more traction and I would have more followers. I would have a, an ability to teach more people. So if I were to ever do before and after photos, it would literally just be so I could get more eyes to our content so I could help more people. I don't want to do the before and after to necessarily sell more programs. I actually don't even sell like a passive income item. <laughs> so everything I do is one-on-one -on -one with clients and there's only a finite amount of myself that I can do, uh, which I've had to learn and refine over the years. But it's not like I'm selling, you know, my, my latest training program. And if I can get 10,000 people to buy it, I make a gajillion dollars. So it's helpful for me to promote on, you know, before and after photos to get people to buy. It. I'm not against that in any way, in the sense of it does help the people who do that. It's just not the way I want to do things. So I'm rambling quite a bit, but that's the point of these in-depth ones is I can ramble. I don't do the before and after photos because I, I don't want to make somebody take a before photo. I just did not like that feeling myself and I don't want to make somebody else feel that way. So that's my choice. Right or wrong, it's my choice. Now, with this client, uh, he knew he was overweight, likely over 30% body fat. Uh, we don't really need to pinpoint a number above that. Uh, he was over 30% body fat. He wanted to get leaner. He, and he wanted to do it in the sense of like to be healthy for his family, to be healthy for himself, for longevity. But a lot of his identity was built into him being a big guy. So he wanted to get leaner. But he didn't want to lose the feeling of being a big guy. Being big, like he has kind of like a big bone structure. He's a, he's a tall fella. Uh, that was, you know, people treated him a certain way. He didn't feel like he was disrespected for being overweight. A couple little jabs here and there from friends and people. But overall, he felt like he was respected due to his size. So he wanted to be leaner to feel better about how he looked in the mirror, to be healthier for himself to live longer, to be healthier for his family to live longer. But he didn't want to lose weight too quickly and feel skinny. Also, he was perceived by others to be strong because he was big. But when he would go to the gym, he would struggle with weights that for people his size were less than what he would perceive as a good weight. So what this means is he was weaker than what he looked like. And when he would go to the gym, he would feel that, he would realize that, and it was extremely demotivating 
to realize every time I go to the gym, and this is his words, he goes, I feel like a fat piece of crap. <laughs> and I understand that because that's actually the way I talked to myself when I was a fat piece of crap and like overweight and lazy and weak. And I had a lot of like uh, mental struggles when I was younger, uh, especially with negative self-talk. It was motivating, but not necessarily the healthiest motivation. But I understand where he's coming from is when he goes to the gym, what he feels bad about himself is magnified and it is absolute. So if he feels like, oh, yeah, I'm a big guy, but, you know, if I needed to, I could I could handle myself. And then he goes and struggles to overhead press 50 pound dumbbells or he can't walk on a step mill for more than three minutes. And it's like, oh, crap, maybe I maybe I couldn't handle myself. Maybe I couldn't protect my family. Maybe I'm not as much of a man as I thought I was because he's associating strength with being a man. There is a lot to unpack there. Absolutely a lot. So he would want to lose weight. He would want to train, weight train. But he would always self-sabotage. He would always be demotivated. It was always a struggle for him. So when we started working together, we made a couple kind of adjustments to thinking or thought process. But one of the things whenever we initially started talking, I said was, we have a couple options, man. Why don't we, why don't we focus on just eating more consistently and healthier foods in the sense of bringing down your fasted glucose, try to bring down your blood pressure, you know, just, just let's, let's focus on improving healthy cholesterol, lowering unhealthy cholesterol. Let's just be healthy regardless of what you would weigh. Is your weight going to change from some of these adjustments? Probably. But let's not worry about that. Let's not make that the focus. Let's instead focus on nutritional changes to improve blood marker health. And then, for training, let's not do the lifts that make it obvious to you that you don't feel strong. So, for example, he had gone to a powerlifting-focused gym before, and when he would do static squat, bench, and deadlift, especially bench press, he has absolutely horrible upper body strength, he said. Uh, so, um, he's like, I just felt so miserable, so weak. I would look at the, you know, they had a big, um, uh, what is it, a graph on the wall, big chart on the wall of people's lifts. And he's like, my God, people who were, you know, a hundred and they were half my weight and they could lift more than I could. So I said, let's not do that. Let's do strongman. And he's like, well, like, I'm, I'm, I know world's strongest man based on being on TV. He goes, but what is that? And I said, that's exactly that. <laughs> I said, let's pick up some heavy stones. Let's move, like flip some tires. Let's do some cool, fun shit that you don't know what you should be able to do. So if I tell you to go flip a tire and I'm like, go flip that big tire over there and you start flipping it and the tire is the same height as you. It's pretty damn big, really wide. And you're like, this looks pretty cool. This feels pretty cool. But we don't know how much that tire weighs. We don't know what somebody half your body weight can flip, you know, tire wise. We don't, we, there's no like universally known standard. When somebody says, how much do you bench? There's a common belief that, you know, a 225 means X. 315 means X. You know, people have this preconceived notion of what numbers are strong. If you go flip a tire, if the tire is a pretty damn big tire, you don't know if that's a good 
flip or a bad flip? Like, if that's, if that's a lot of weight, not a lot of weight? I was like, we don't really know. So let's go do farmer's carries. Let's do, uh, you know, tire flips. Let's load some Atlas stones. Uh, at our gym, Brutal Iron Gym, we have Atlas stones. And he had access to Atlas stones at some other gyms where he lived nearby as well. So I was like, let's just do some cool stuff. Let's move some heavy things. If we're going to do a squat, let's put a weird bar on your back. Maybe do some box squats. Let's just do odd things. Let's do a deadlift, but maybe instead of a regular barbell, let's do a fat bar. Or let's do a trap bar. Or let's deadlift from two inches off the ground or two inches lower than normal. Let's just do some weird stuff, man. I was like, pick up some heavy things. Don't be overly concerned with where does this rank me. And in order for us to help him turn that off, we did lifts that he had absolutely no clue what was a good number for. So if I had him go do a farmer's carry, he's like, I don't know, like, how much should I be doing? And I was like, don't worry about that. Just put, you know, a 45 on each side and, and start with that. And he, like, he didn't know. He had no clue where to go. So I would tell him, like, to do a certain type of deadlift. He goes, what should I start at? And I'm like, 135, 185, and then just start adding 20 to 30 pounds from there until it feels hard. And it was great because it was motivating for him because now he didn't, he didn't really know what he should or shouldn't be able to do. So it was fun to see, like I write programs for my clients where they get brand new exercises every four weeks. So week one, he would try to set it up correctly, figure out what the hell he was doing. Week two, he felt a little more confident with what he was doing. Week three, he's like, okay, I got an idea of what I'm doing. Then week four, he tries to beat everything he's been doing the past three weeks, weights and rep-wise, and then we move on to something new the next time. So every four weeks, he got to learn a movement get comfortable with the movement and then try to hit a PR on that movement. And then we moved on. It was super fun. He has absolutely loved it. Now we've been working together for quite a while. Um, I think we're coming, we're a little over, well, actually right now. Okay. This is a year. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know that. Uh, so I knew it was a while, but we're at, we're, we've been working together for 12 months now and uh, it's been going great. So that was his struggles was he wanted to lose body fat, but he didn't want to lose this sense of being a big, strong guy. He wanted to train, but he didn't want to have the realization, a harsh, hard, demoting realization, that he wasn't as strong as he thought. So for nutrition, what we did was we did caloric cycling. His schedule allows him to train three to four days a week. He tries to do four most days a week. Sometimes it's only three. Uh, on the training days, we eat at a caloric maintenance level, and we eat more of our calories pre-workout, so he feels really well-fed and has a good uh, energy for the workouts. And then on non-training days, we eat in a caloric deficit. So what this allows is our net caloric balance by the end of the week is still in a deficit so he's slowly losing body fat our protein we're estimating around one gram per pound of lean body weight so we were like you know if you were super shredded well maybe not, maybe not super shredded let's let's say you wanted to you could take your shirt off at the beach and feel confident and we both guesstimated probably maybe around 240, maybe 220, somewhere around there in body weight, 220 to 240 pounds. So we made his goal of protein around 220 to 240 grams of protein. We have really low sugar. We try to keep 
sugars as low as we can outside of the pre-workout meal. If he wants to have some sugars in the pre-workout meal, go for it. Uh, but we try to keep it lower outside of the, that meal. His calorie distribution, we have more of his calories during his active times of the day, less of his calories around his less active times of the day. And then his rate of loss, we're aiming for around four pounds per month. So in the last 12 months, he's lost 52 pounds. That's pretty awesome. He's lost 52 pounds in a year, but this is a sustainable way of doing it. He feels excited. He feels motivated. This is the longest he's ever stayed with anything, <laughs> health and nutrition-wise, and he's seeing great progress in training. So he's feeling stronger. He's looking better. This is freaking working. He's super excited, and, and you could probably tell I'm excited for him as well. So in training... Like I said, we focused on strongman because it was less intimidating than static basic lifts that you would use, such as like powerlifting. That weird variation of lifts helps him not like have a comparison demotivator. And then also with strongman, you can do what's called medleys. So you can build in like cardio things. So he definitely does not want to do, you know, any amount of time on a step mill or treadmill, but we can have him carry a sandbag you know, hurry, like, slash walk jog back to the starting position, do farmer's carries, and then try to do that quickly back and forth. Maybe we do yoke carries followed by, you know, clean and press of a kettlebell or a log or a bar. We just do things that blend in a little bit of cardiovascular challenge as well as static things that he can focus on for strength. And he's loving it. Um, his deadlift started around 405. He recently just did a 555-pound deadlift. We started with a squat variation of a box squat with a camber bar, and we retested that. He's gained about 95 pounds on that. He went from a 405 to a 500 on that. We don't repeat too, too many lifts because I, I don't want it to be the focus, but we still want to have some degree of checking our progress he's not mentally ready to check upper body yet so we've just been checking lower body but in his shirts he's feeling tighter in the shoulders but looser in the belly and his pants are looser around the waist as well so what his struggles were in the past was he would diet too aggressively try to achieve everything too quickly that started to make him feel lower energy felt kind of like just blah all day. He would drop a bunch of weight, like get nervous about losing that big man mentality and kind of feel. And then he would be mentally defeated when he would go to the gym and realize he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. So we've been able to fix and address all of that. And he's been super motivated, making great progress. So I wanted to share his story because there's a lot in there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to unpack is... We, if somebody wants to lose weight, but they want to do it in a sustainable, controlled lifestyle change, something that they can do for the rest of their life way, that was a great example. Like we said, just calorie control. Eat maintenance calories on training days. A little bit of a deficit on non-training days. Keep protein, if you're lifting weights heavy, around 1 gram per pound of body weight. If you're not lifting as heavy, you can go down to you know, 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight for lean body weight. Keep sugars low outside of you know pre-workout meals. The distribution, higher calories when you're active, lower calories when you're inactive. And then just aim for roughly about 4 pounds a month. It adds up to quite a bit. You know, so... 
you, like 52 pounds for him in a year is huge because he's also built a lot of muscle, I'm sure. So some of the weight, like if you look at his total net change of weight, let's say, for example, he's gained um, 10 pounds of muscle. So he lost 52 pounds of fat and he's gained 10 pounds of muscle. That's actually 62 pounds of change that he's had in a year. That's huge. That's huge progress. And then if you're intimidated with weights, try to train in a way that doesn't emphasize weights. Train with unknown elements. Train in ways that are weird movements that you don't really have a direct comparison for. Get away from the numbers if they're demotivating. So I really am happy for him that he is in a a much healthier, not only physical place, but emotional and mental place now. The second client I want to share a story of, uh, she has a good body weight. Like she weighs around what she probably should weigh, quote unquote should, uh, what she would like to weigh. But when we first started, she felt very soft and she had like saddlebags, uh, like sag, saggy glutes, <laughs> a little bit of a lower belly, lower tummy. And she didn't like any of that. She wanted all that stuff to tighten up. And she wanted more muscle definition. She didn't want to have big muscles, but she wanted to be able to see, you know, some firmness to the glutes and thighs. Maybe a little bit of firmness to the shoulders, but she didn't want massive upper body. But she just wanted to look more athletic. The trouble she felt was she also was struggling with getting older. As she's gotten a little older in life, she felt that, like, the body fat is gaining faster and her strength and muscle mass are losing faster. Um, I, I think she's in her late 30s, early 40s, somewhere around there. So we've, she's noticed, she said, from when she was in her 20s to now, that she feels as though uh, she gains fat faster and loses muscle faster. The challenge we had for her was she had a long history, like 20 plus years history of disordered eating. She had periods of anorexia, periods of binging and purging, periods of just insane amount of self-hate, super starvation, just 20 plus years of mental distress when it came to food. She never felt like she could find a way to eat that she didn't feel bad about. It was always overeating, undereating, overeating, undereating. There was never just a healthy way to eat. She had a history of chronic undereating. Uh, like when we first started working together, she would eat around 800 to 1,000 calories a day, which is way too low. Every once in a while, she would get up to like 1,300 calories, and she would tell me that was a day where she's like, oh, I kind of lost myself today. I I'm not really happy with myself. I, I had way too many, way too much food. And I was like, 1,300 calories is actually not too much. That's uh, You actually need to be eating more than that. <laughs> um, every once in a blue moon, like once or twice a month, she would completely lose her shit and eat like 2,000 plus calories and then some days she would purge, some days she would try to exercise like four or five hours the next day at the gym and doing cardio, trying to burn it all off. So she had a lot of just chronic undereating. Protein, very minimal. I mean, some days there was only like 20 grams of protein. The highest she would normally have was around like 60 grams a day. 
she would have sugar in spurts. Sometimes sugars were the enemy and she would never have sugars. But then she'd have a couple days where she'd have a couple treats. And then one day she would have like 300 grams of sugar in one day. So it was very sporadic. And it went through waves and cycles. For her, nutrition was always very mentally draining. Lots and lots and lots of guilt associated with nutrition. What we started working on was to slowly bring up her calorie window. So if she was eating between 800 to 1,000 calories a day on average, I was like, can we do, you know, 825 to 1,025? Like, what can, I, what can I get you to eat a little bit more of? And I would teach her, so we focused on an incredible amount of um, education. So, for example, my online clients... They each have their own individual document, so they can write in Q and A. I can then write in answers. Well, I, I do. They do the Q and I do the A. <laughs> so uh, they'll ask questions in the document. I'll give some answers, and then we just kind of go through that at least once a week. I try to do it, you know, as often as I can, but we do it once a week for sure, where they write in any questions, I answer them. I'll also, if they send me any training videos, I'll look through the videos and give them feedback. Then I'll also look through if they use a nutrition app, which she does use to track her daily nutrition. I'll give her feedback on calories, protein, sugars, all these kind of things. Now that document is an ongoing document. It's it's 24-7. She can write in it. Anything we've ever sent back and forth to each other is in this document. Her document on Microsoft, I mean on Google Docs, I'm, I just opened it and downloaded it now, it is 212 pages. So in the time that her and I have known each other, we've gone back and forth with Q&A for 212 pages. So imagine a Microsoft Word document that is 212 pages long. That is how much... Uh, nutrition education that we have focused on. I wanted her to learn that food was her friend. Food is a friend. Food is a, a, a tool that we can use to create the body and the life that we want. It's not an enemy. And that was something that as we worked on that, she was more willing to slowly increase her calorie window because she now then understood why that was necessary. She was willing to start bringing up her protein. Now, in order to help with that, we also had to help her body just digest all that food. So we do a lot of we did a lot of digestive supplements. We still do a, quite a bit now to reduce bloating, to help digestion. We we want her to feel okay with the increased amount of food. I don't want her to be super uncomfortable after meals and feel bloated and you know have constipation or other issues uh, during the day and all day. So we also increased water intake. She wasn't drinking anywhere near enough water, which was causing, uh, um, you know, like issues with bowel movement frequency. So we started increasing water intake. We've played around a little bit with fiber supplements. She didn't really need a lot of fiber supplements. She just wasn't eating enough food. <laughs> so that's why she wasn't going to the bathroom as much. And then we had to help her body with uh, digestive enzymes and helping the bacteria in her gut be able to process the foods better. So we've done a lot of nutrition education. I also talked to her about um, like body weight fluctuations, what are normal fluctuations from day to day, and also sodium. We started tracking and learning about sodium so she could control water retention because some days she noticed if she ate more, like 300, 400 calories more, all of a sudden her clothes felt tighter the next day. And I was like, well, 
you know, the one day we had 800 milligrams of sodium, the next day we had 4,000 because we ate this certain food. So why don't we get rid of that, substitute it with this, and we can normalize our sodium intake, and then all of a sudden she wasn't having that water retention bloat, and she wasn't freaking out that her clothes were getting tighter. So we've played with a lot of different foods, a lot of education, and trying to find foods that she liked and getting her intake up higher. For training, she had to move, it absolutely needed to move, and there was a lot of good benefit to that. So we focused on a lot of body weight movements. It's good for muscle shaping because it helps to build the smaller little muscles and weak areas around joints. And then it's good for hunger promotion. Uh, the more she would move, the more hungry she was, and she also felt that she was earning the food. So it was very important physically to move to create the sensation of hunger. And then it was also important mentally and emotionally to move to that way she could feel like she was earning the food. But what's nice and beneficial about body weight movements is it doesn't create a lot of muscle damage because she didn't have the protein to support that. And it doesn't actually burn as many calories given her body weight, uh, which was helpful since we we're trying to get her calories up. I didn't want her to try to be eating an extra 50 calories a day, but all of a sudden we're burning 400 calories in a workout. So it was very helpful to get her to have some movement to promote the hunger, to promote the uh, mental and emotional um, acceptance and feeling okay with the new foods, like the added foods, but do so in a way that didn't actually set us back. For her training, we do a lot of focus on glutes, thighs, and core. So that way she has a nice flat stomach. So that's stuff that she feels like the efforts she's doing are contributing to the body that she wants while also allowing her to feel okay with the nutritional changes that we had intended and wanted and needed to make. Now the progress. Uh, we've been working together for coming up on two years. Uh, she's doing a really good job with the calorie increase. She's now actually eating between 1,600 and 2,000 calories a day. That's huge, by the way. Huge improvement. Protein, we're now minimum 100 grams. I don't think she ever goes under 100 grams, but she eats mostly on average between 120 to 130 grams of protein. She still has some food guilt every now and then. She still loses a little bit of her shit, <laughs> uh, as, as her and I kind of joke about. When she has an unplanned event or a random situation, she'll sometimes freak out a little bit. She'll either severely undereat or she'll lose control and overeat. But now she doesn't self-sabotage after those mistakes and make things worse. She just gets right back on plan. So huge, huge, huge mental and emotional progress associated with food. And then also for aesthetics, huge improvement. She's much more balanced uh, in fat storage. She doesn't have those like saddlebag pockets. That lower pooch in the belly isn't there. Super nice, just a blended body fat throughout the whole body. Looks very nice and consistent overall. She looks very good in her clothes, she says, she, that she feels athletic and fit, which is exactly what she wanted. So I'm very happy for her because this has been for her, you know, a 20, 20 plus year struggle. She grew up kind of going through um, adolescence, like going through puberty, and it caused the estrogen change, all that stuff caused her to have this soft, pudgy body that she immediately started under eating and started kind of hating herself. So from when that happened, you know, which could be, you know, early teens, somewhere in there, you know, 11, 12, 13, something there, all the way to late 30s, 
So that's 20 some years of just hating yourself. So that is a horrible, horrible, horrible way to have to live. So I'm very happy for her and just super excited anytime we have any moments of progress. It's just, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> so I love it, love it, love it when she makes progress and she'll tell me, you know, hey, I had a great day today. I went and visited with friends, just had, you know, chicken and vegetables at the restaurant, made sure I hit my calories and my protein, still had a wonderful day. I didn't even think about it, the meal afterwards. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> so right in her, in her journal, in all caps with a tons of exclamation marks, just very happy when you see people who've struggled with self-hate uh, get a little bit of a grip on that and they can start to create more positive self-talk. They can feel more positively about themselves. That just helps so many elements in life. Not only the emotional, internal emotional health, but it helps with confidence, helps with the way in which you communicate with other people because you perceive yourself better. So therefore you're more open, you're more outgoing. Uh, you might, She might be more you know, willing to take on uh, progressive things at work that can get her promotions. There's a, just so many, so many things that are benefited when we feel like we have a healthier grasp on our appearance and our control of ourselves. You know, so how much confidence does she have now with anything? If she feels like she can, can now control nutrition, which has been a 20 plus year struggle, now when she's faced with a struggle, it's like, bah, you know, this is easy, you know, or I got this, I can have confidence that I can accomplish this because of what I've done with nutrition. So those are the things that fire me up and motivate me and make me just super blessed to be able to do what I do is getting to have this type of impact in people's lives. It's an um, enormous blessing and I'm extremely, extremely, extremely grateful for it. So for these two clients, I appreciate you working with me. And I'm just so incredibly happy for you. And I look forward to continuing uh, to work together. <laughs> so if, uh, if the listeners, if you like this type of format, if you want to hear more about other people's struggles and what we've done to address those struggles, let me know and I can make this kind of podcast topic more often. And that can be kind of fun. If you want to know any more specifics or any certain questions you have about some of the things we do or why we do it, again, uh, just email me, brutalironjim at gmail.com, and uh, I'll be happy to help. Uh, I really do want to help everyone who's listening. I appreciate your investment into listening to this podcast. Uh, I take that as a huge compliment, and I want to be able to return that favor, uh, return that act of kindness back towards you. So if you are somebody who is struggling with anything, just let me know. You can reach out on our email at BrutalIronJim at gmail.com. Right now I'm offering free 15-minute consultations. I really enjoy that because I get a chance to meet the people, talk a little bit face-to-face, -face, see what your goals are, what your struggles are, talk about what we could do to address that, and then we can kind of start on the approach and everything feels good. Uh, you don't have to commit you know, to do the 15-minute consultation. It's totally free. But if you're interested and today's podcast made you have hope, which was what the, the goal was, that something that you struggle with could change, it could be different, just reach out, email brutalironjim at gmail.com. You can check out our website, www.brutalironjim.com. On the website, we have our one-on-one -on -one services page. On that page is a link for a questionnaire. You can fill that out and then I would send you the 
um, an email follow-up to set up the 15-minute consultation. So you can either just do it on the website or you can just email me at brutalironjim at gmail.com. But I appreciate everybody who listens. If you need anything, if there's ever anything you want, need, just reach out. I'm here. I'm always happy to help. Okay. This one, I guess, was a little short for being an in-depth. I, I was aiming for that 40-minute, but I guess we'll be cutting it a little couple minutes short. Hopefully this was fun. Let me know. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Gym. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.